the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 222 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost, and today we are going to continue on with our stupid early college lacrosse 2023 preseason All-Americans. Today, we're going to do defenders. I have my top three picks as well as one wild card that could easily supplant, you know, not easily, but potentially supplant one of the guys on my list here. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends. Let's get the word out about what I am doing here. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com where you can watch all of our videos. Every video that we put out has a companion piece that actually includes all of my actual notes from the podcast so you can see how I kind of write these things up here. And then, as always, you can get yourself T-shirts, shorts, hats, all sorts of swag, both podcast-related and not. So let's uh, shut the hell up here and let me get into this and start discussing my first pick here. And this one is a no-brainer. There are no hot takes on this list here because the truth is all three first-team All-Americans from 2022 are returning. So this is not going to be a, a leap by any means, and everyone, I think, for the most part is going to agree with me, A, on who I put in my list of my top three, and then B, who my kind of wild card would be, you know, if someone is going to supplant someone from this list, or if one of these guys, you know, heaven forbid, has an injury, this is going to be the guy I believe that's going to pop in here. So first guy we got to talk about, though, Will Bowen, graduate student for Georgetown. Now, Bowen, he's had a very odd go of things. He came into the 2019 season, one of the most hyped freshman defenders that I remember hearing about, at least definitely since I've been covering the sport, and he lost the entire season due to a preseason knee injury in 2019. 2020, COVID shortened seasoned, a healthy Bowen. He forced eight turnovers and picked up 16 GBs in seven games and also had two assists on that COVID shortened season. So we, we finally got to see, hey, this is what a coming off an injury but now healthy Bowen is going to look like. 2021 for UNC, Bowen got a f- uh, full season under his belt causing 28 turnovers in 16 games. He also picked up 37 ground balls and had a helper. He was named a first-team All-American for his efforts in 2021. And and that's on on a defense for North Carolina that was not strong at all, and people could avoid Bowen much more effectively than they ever could where he played the 2022 season. So here's the problem with Bowen and what his whole deal was with North Carolina. He had already graduated by the end of 2021, And due to UNC's odd grad school requirements, and I think they've fixed those now, so I don't think you'll see this happen as often as it may have happened in the past, he was forced to transfer to Georgetown with a chunk of eligibility left. I don't know how the eligibility is going to play out, but I believe almost technically you can make the argument he's got this year and next year left, but I think this is going to end up being his last year. Either way, he was an absolute monster for the Hoyas in 2022, and this was on one of the strongest, you know, one of the strongest defenses in the country between goalkeeper, between the three starting poles. Remember, he had Gibson Smith playing alongside of him. He's got McElroy in cage for him. So, I mean, he was playing on a team that was filthy. You can't dodge. Uh, the best defender in the country when everybody else is filthy as well. That resulted in a 2022 production that included 34 cost turnovers, 42 GBs, one goal, three assists off five shots. Bowen also nailed down yet another first-team All-American nod, as well as the William C. Schmeiser. I might be getting that pronunciation wrong. Defensive Player of the Year Award. He got the Defensive Player of the Year Award. That's really what I'm trying to say here. Will Bowen was an absolute beast. Now, the difference this year between last year 
is it won't be all butterflies and rainbows for Georgetown on D on the defensive end of the field come 2023. They're gone. Uh, gone are Gibson Smith uh, and uh, Owen McElroy, both fellow All-Americans. So Bowen will have a mo- will have to have a monster season for that defense to stay anchored and to continue to play at as high of a level as they have. And, uh, you know, that's helped by the fact that Bowen is considered by inside lacrosse, at least, as the number three overall returning player in 2023. He's one of two defenders that are in the top five on inside lacrosse's uh, top 50 players in the country in D1 for 2023. I, I... I want to kind of say, because it's harder to talk about the defenders. You just don't, there's not enough film. I have had a hard time with defenders studying film. So if you know, if there are any good repositories, if anyone who's listening out here has any good repositories where it's like, hey, here's some Twitter user or some Instagram account or something that's, that has some solid defensive clips and highlights, I'd love to be able to see them. I actually ended up having to pour through full games. So what I did was use the box score and the full games that are reposted on YouTube to kind of just go through and see their highlights, but it's mostly a bunch of ground balls, even where Bowen had like four tur- caused turnovers in one of the games. A lot of them, they're not the highlight reel turn- uh, turnovers that guys force. So you're going to see a couple of clips here. It's mostly just ground balls and a couple of you know, forced turnovers, none of them are like highlight reel worthy. It's just that's what I could find in the short period of time I had. Um, Bowen, how I would classify him as a player, like if I was the guy going through warm-ups knowing that I'm about to play the defensive player in the year, everything about him is scary. Six foot three, 220 pounds. Look at the frame here. He's he's not he doesn't have the absolute dog-like aggressiveness that like a Maycar would in terms of the the overall meanness. I think Maycar is meaner than Bowen is overall, but Bowen is mean enough and just his sheer size, his skill, he's 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 a lot of his takeaways are just the scrums where it's like a guy picked up a ground ball and all of a sudden you just had Six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound Will Bowen just put the hammer down on your hands. Uh, he is a scary, imposing defender that does just about everything well, and he's not going to range around on the field to the extent that you're going to have a whole lot of freedom on that day. So, not I wouldn't call him necessarily a, a full on lockdown defender, but. If he's having a good day, and no matter how good you are, and, and Sam Handley learned this uh, when Georgetown played Penn, Bowen's going to take the ball away from me. He took the ball, and I think I have at least one good forced turnover that Bowen uh, forced against Handley that's going to roll here. So you do not want to play him. He is truly the best defender in the country. I fully believe that, and I fully believe as long as he stays healthy, he is going to be the defensive player of the year again. He's also going to be a Tewartan potentially a Tewartan finalist, depending on how healthy he stays and how well that Georgetown defense could play. Because the kicker with being a Tewartan finalist on defense is your defense has to play fairly good lacrosse overall. And they're going to kind of have not a young defense because they still got a good short stick D mid unit. They've got a good LSM and they have quality poles stepping into play, but they've just lost two All-Americans, you know, one at close D, one at cage, and that's kind of the anchor of your defense. Gibson Smith was a legendary defensive player for Georgetown if you're in that circle. So that's going to hurt. But I, I still think he's going to repeat all of the awards and he's going to he's going to get them. Now let's go into the next guy that I want to talk about, and it's Gavin Adler, senior Cornell. I think he's got one year of eligibility left if he transfers out of Cornell because I don't think Cornell's giving those guys that extra year being in the Ivy. Um, 
he was somewhat of a surprise to me. Now, I will say I knew he was going to be solid, partly because freaking head coach Connor Busick of Cornell fame here, he was telling anyone that was willing to listen that Adler was going to be a monster. I saw, I heard a couple of podcasts where I heard him talk, or maybe I was reading articles where I heard him talk, and he said, people are sleeping on this kid. We see him in practice. He is going to be a monster in 2022, and he was not wrong. And he wasn't just a regular monster in 2022. He was a goddamn titan in 2022. His production, 34 cost turnovers, 75 ground balls, one helper. Now, his traits as a player, surgical with those stick checks, a master with his feet. He plays with good leverage. Maycar, who I'm going to talk about after, he's also a guy like that. Doesn't have a ton of size, but he plays with a lot more size because of how good they are with their feet and with getting leverage on the guy they're guarding. His small, he's got a really small frame, 5'8", 180. So for him to be this effective as a close defender at the Division One level, you know he's got some other tricks up his sleeve and it's feet and leverage and having a good good hands and a good stick. He's, he plays incredible on-ball defense, always in position, always pestering his man. He doesn't overcommit and try too hard to force turnovers. He pressures, but he's smart and very patient. This is all true. Seems to be everywhere that the Big Red need him to be. He's always ready to help via slide, scoop up the ball on the deck, and get the rock the hell out of his hands and up the field. Now, Connor Busick, not going to have to shout. Oh, actually, before I make that point, the, I wanted to kind of talk. Like, if the one thing I will say about Adler, if you're the attackman he's about to guard, you're going to have a hard time in one on one matchups with Adler. He's not going to go away. He is not going to make your life easy. He could definitely steal your candy. The one thing I'll say about him is if you watch his tape, he's going to roam the field a little bit more. He definitely plays that kind of heads up, like where where do I need to go to help? Is there a ground ball on the on the deck that I want to go pick up? He's definitely the most rangy in terms of the area that he covers out of all these defenders. He's going to maybe risk helping a little bit more as part of that, that Cornell defensive scheme. And that is not to say by any means that he's an easier get than either of these other two guys. He's not. What I'm saying is you may be able to get yourself a couple of cheap points off ball as part of him going to help somebody else, him maybe taking a chance to go pick up that ground ball. You got a broken play situation. Now he's not near you. That's really the only, it's not even a knock. That's just the reality of what you'd see. Sometimes you'd play a defender where you're just like, oh man, my arms are going to be bruised up and I'm going to get beat up this entire game. Other times you'd play a really good defender, but if that defender was, you know, played a little bit more help defense, you'd be like, all right, well, hey, I might not do a whole lot with this on this guy carrying the ball, but at least if I kind of let the game come to me and play off ball intelligently and never give up on trying to get open off ball, you may be able to find some more spots with him. And that's not to say that Bowen and Maycar aren't going to fall asleep at the wheel and go help a little bit too, but Adler just being probably the not necessarily the most athletic, definitely more athletic overall, I think, than Bowen in terms of speed and the amount of ground that he can cover. It's just part of part of his game and part of his style. So you still would kind of look forward to like, ah, you know what, I'm not going to get any, you know, necessarily one-on-one goal against Adler here, but maybe I'll get two goals and an assist or something like that and transition, man up, that kind of crap. Uh, Connor Busick, he will not have to shout from the rooftops uh, about how much he believes in Adler in 2023. Inside the cross, just named Adler the number four overall top returning player in the country. So number three, Will Bowen, number th- the, the third best top returning player in the country based on inside lacrosse's top 50. And Gavin Adler just got the number four nod. So that's the, the top five, the, the, the two defenders that are in the top five. They're number three and number four. A huge honor for both of these guys, no doubt overall. 
my third guy that I would like to talk about here now is Brett Makar, graduate student at Maryland. Now, Makar, I've talked about him in depth a little bit when I did the uh, the, the Maryland write-up. Um, graduate student at Maryland, very solid. He is a grinder of a defender, makes up in what he lacks in flash, makes up for in what he lacks in flash because he's not a flashy guy. He's not a huge takeaway guy. He's going to grind. He's going to stay low, play good position. When the ball is on the ground, he is going to absolutely murder people with an aggressiveness that you might not see out of these other two guys, maybe out of Bowen. I don't think Adler's quite that mean and angry. Makar, as nice of a guy as he seems to be, I've watched a lot of his interviews and I've read a lot of really good things about him as a teammate. He is not the guy that you want to be anywhere near you when the ball is on the ground and he is about ready. And it's not that he's going to necessarily be the guy picking the GB up. He's going to be the guy that murders your forearms with his stick and the refs don't call that shit anymore. And that's that's the guy that Makar is. And, and you want that guy as a teammate. You do not want that guy anywhere near you as it comes to a scrum. Uh, you can ask him to do a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball too. He's going to be able to, to pretty much guard anybody that you throw at him. So whether you got a quick little jitterbug attackman or you've got yourself a big Pat Spencer lumbering motherfucker, he can handle pretty much any assignment you put him on, partly because he's a stay home, stay low, keep a stick on him, keep my hands on him, keep him near me. And when the opportunity arises to pound the shit out of him or try to take the ball away, he will. Uh, teams, I, I, I've said before that teams try to avoid him. That's not really necessarily the case. I think a lot of it just comes down to, you know, you look at his production. Let's go through it here. First off, key contributor at Maryland through his entire career. Now, this is something he's got on other uh, other guys. He has been healthy, and he has been available to play since he was a freshman at Maryland. His freshman year started 17 games uh, out of 17 games played, 25 G balls, G balls, 25 ground balls, four cause turnovers. Like I said, in that COVID shortened season, still started every game, started every single game in 2021, started every single game in 2022. And that's where you see his 2022 production, 15 cause turnovers. These are wrong. Maryland's doubling up the stats, I believe, as you can see here. Uh, maybe the, No, they're not. A lot of these teams, I've said this over and over, uh, the sidearm sports has a bug and they're doubling up their 2022 stats. But yeah, 15 cause turnovers, 32 ground balls, had a goal and two assists on the season off five shots. Very, very effective. But as, over his career, uh, 57 starts, 38 cost turnovers, 115 ground balls, one goal, and three assists. Now, the award, the people who vote for these awards vote for stability and longevity over the cor course of a career. You can't front on availability, which he has been available thus far every game of his freaking career. That is absolutely huge. So that's why I think he's going to get that third spot. Not to mention he got the, he, he was a first-team All-American last year as well. Um, so I will talk about one more guy that I think is in the mix with these top three, but I, I still like Maycar as being kind of that that third guy in. Uh, and, and I think Maycar and Adler are the only ones that I think you could say may lose their spot to the other guy I'll talk about. But let's get back to Maycar here. Uh, in the end, I don't expect him to put up the, the stats, like I said, that these other guys are going to. He's not like a candy thief 
who is just going to try to take the ball away. And 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 understand, Bowen and Adler would take the ball away a lot more often if they weren't avoided. Makar gets avoided as well. You try not to dodge on certain guys because you're trying to find matchups where you actually have a, you know, even if your attackman's filthy, you'd, you'd take the good matchup where, you you know, maybe your third attackman is better than their third defender over having an even matchup between, like, Makar and, like, a, a Schellenberger or something like that. So... The, all three of these guys are going to be avoided. It's just that Makar isn't more avoided than Bowen or Adler. It's just they're more, we're going to take the ball away, get in that kind of mix, and Ad, and uh, Makar's more of a stay home, play solid defense, beat on this guy a little bit, scare him a little bit, be nice to my teammates while treating the other team like shit kind of guy. It is the teammate you want on your team. Old school defender, stays in front of his man, keeps a stick on him, and will both lay lumber and put the smack down on somebody if he gets the chance to do so. So I'm a big Brett Makar fan as well. And, and once again, you know, all three of these defenders are going to have to anchor their teams. All of them are without a little bit of the help that they had last year, and you're going to have to see them step up and, and anchor the, the defense a little bit more than they did. Maryland's probably in, not probably, Maryland's in the best shape overall for their top three defenders with a solid goalkeeper returning. Georgetown probably in the worst shape, losing a, in a, an All-American and a defender and an All-American goalie. But all, I think, with these guys as their anchors, all three teams are going to have solid defenses, mostly because of these guys here. And the other guy that I have to talk about, because if I didn't, I'd be an a-hole, would be Cole Kastner of Virginia fame. Now, the reason we got to talk about Kastner is because statistically speaking, at number one, he was a second-team All-American last year, so that's solid too. Statistically speaking, though, you look at his stats. Let's see, where can we get the full? Yeah, Virginia stats suck, don't they? They don't even have the cause turnovers in here. Oh, wait, maybe they do. Nope. All right, we've done this before. We're going to have to do it again. Inside lacrosse, Cole Kastner. That's a recruiting profile. All right, maybe if we go here, we can find him. Nope, that's not going to be it. Oh, my goodness, folks. I, I, I watched Mr. Beast go on his podcast tour, and here I know is where they call it the dead time. If I go back and I watch this video again and I see the statistics, I'm going to see viewership drop off considerably as I'm trying to look up Kastner right here. But, hey. I want to be complete, and I want to make sure I talk about the only other guy that I think is in the mix to steal one of these uh, first-team All-American spots. So thank you, Inside Lacrosse, for doing a better job than the UVA website did of keeping track of these guys' stats here. And if we look up Kastner, you see here, 32 cause turnovers, 29 GBs, only three turnovers, takes care of the ball, also two goals off four shots. So... Kastner deserves to be mentioned 100% in the same breath as all of these other guys. I dare say you wouldn't pick him over any of the other guys on this list except for maybe Bowen, partly just because Bowen looks scary on top of it, but he's also the you know reigning defender, defensive player of the year, uh, two- or three-time uh, first-team All-American. I don't know how they worked that COVID-shortened season, uh, actually. Anyway... Uh, Kastner deserves to be mentioned. He, you're gonna, you don't want to face him either. The guy is an absolute unit overall. Do they have the stats? Let's go back to the Virginia website real quick so we can look at his his uh, vitals. I want to see his vitals. Um, yeah, 
Six foot seven, 200 pounds. I bet you coming in here for this upcoming season, you might be looking at 205, but the dude is just a beast, rangy, can take the ball away, can, can stay with a lot of guys. Now, you're not going to put him on the jitterbug necessarily, but thanks to his huge strides, maybe he could handle it. But yeah, you got to mention Kastner with these three. But I, I truly think that there's probably not another another guy there's probably not a fifth guy i don't think uh there's a kid from delaware i think he may have graduated though no the kid from delaware is back but i don't put him in with the top four i think that when it comes to the first team all american spots these four guys uh, three of these four guys are going to eat those spots and i feel confident that as long as everyone stays healthy and like georgetown's defense well yeah no there's no bump and bowing so yeah i think i got the first three right but i put cole kastner right in there if there happens to be an injury or if one of these teams defenses just fall apart or one of these guys has a terrible season you could see Kastner maybe weasel in up there I think the the, one of the big things Kastner has going against him also is he's the junior out of this group and everybody else is a senior or a super senior which that's going to help them as well overall so that's my all-american list now I have been just doing only only talking about what the, the main topic, but today I want to kind of get into and just start doing at the end of every show what I'm reading and just try to start coming up with a little bit more of a flow where after I get done with my main topic, we can kind of start diving into other segments. So I'm going to start playing around with ideas for other segments. The I would have had more for this one, but believe it or not, writing up the defenders is by far the hardest thing to do, which was why I wanted to do that and get that out of the way this weekend. I was going to do short stick D mids. I was going to do face off. I was going to work from offense up to the defensive side, but I was like, screw it. Let's pull the Band-Aid off. Let's do the defenders. I realized it was an easy call for who was going to be considered, so that's why I went that route. But now I want to look at what am I reading? You know, What are some other things out there in the lacrosse world that you should take a look at? And one of the things I read this morning, great article on Inside Lacrosse about the number three incoming freshman, Dominic Petromala. He talks about how badly he wanted to play for his father, uh, as he grew up. And the reason, this is one thing I always wondered was if he wanted to play for his father so badly, why didn't he head to Syracuse, uh, you know, at some point granted he had already committed to North Carolina. And at the point that he committed to North Carolina, he said, the reason he did that was he wanted to play for his father, AKA family. When that became apparent, it wasn't going to happen. That's why he chose North Carolina. He said Coach Bresci treated him like a son. He felt like that program, that organization felt a lot more like family than the others that he visited. And that was the reasoning behind him picking UNC. I admittedly, I was sitting here hoping the entire time that once once Petro uh, ended up at Syracuse, that, that young Petro would decide to ditch his commitment to North Carolina and end up at Syracuse. That didn't happen. You know, it would have been a lot cooler if it did. Uh, I don't know what's up with his hair. I did want to say he's got, and listen, man, I, I've, t- I've gotten chirped for picking on dude's hair in the past. This kid, it, what, 20 years old, 19 years old, if we got in a fight, he would wreck me. I'm, I'm picking on him in good nature. That hair, it, we looked like, at least in this picture, like we got a little bit of a Donald Trump comb over going here. Now, I know he's probably not bald, and this is just his flow. This might even be a little bit of helmet head in this picture here, but tell me there isn't a little bit of like the Donald Trump comb over coming up here. We got some lettuce that's sticking out over here, and there's not even a helmet on to try to force it out. So I thought that was a little funny. But anyway, no, no doubting this kid's talent. It sucks that he's injured. And then he had to deal with an injury and all that crap, but a good piece. And it's not long. 
like you can see the read, not that long at all. Uh, it kind of closes out here. If I'm helping the team, I'm content. That could be on scout team. That could be on first line. That could be third line midfield. That could be left bench. I just want to do what I can do to help the team. You know, no matter what happens with this kid, you want to hear that kind of mentality out of a kid. And it's no wonder, you know, a legendary coach as his father, he's going to have a good head, head on his shoulders. So that was one of the things I read this morning. Uh, inside lacrosse is one of my go-tos. Every, it's one of every, it's kind of everybody's go-to. One other thing I wanted to point out here, and I'll probably start doing episodes. I might even throw a couple in. Uh, Syracuse did come out with their schedule, but I see that Connor here over at, or uh, not Connor, um, what am I talking about? Uh, why am I drawing a blank here on on uh, the lacrosse bucket owner's name here? This is like Tanner. Oh, my God. Tanner. I just couldn't pull it from my databanks here for some reason. Tanner has started to put together the schedule breakdowns for all these teams. Tanner does a great job with this kind of stuff specifically. And the best thing that Tanner does over everybody else is his transfer portal crap. If you come in here, he's got transfer portal He's got every player that's in the portal listed with their year, their position, the team they're leaving, and the team they've signed with. And I don't know if I talked about this, but uh, Bennett Abladian here, uh, Cornell, picked up Abladian from Bryant. That's a pretty good attack pickup. But uh, I did already do a video on this talking about how Georgetown won the portal. North Carolina lost a lot, but North Carolina picked up a lot too here. You see Harry Welford and Logan McGovern, uh, Bucknell, Bryant transfers respectively, both very solid attackmen. Um so that's another thing that T Tanner does well on lacrosse bucket. If you're trying to figure out, hey, it's season starting to get underway. What guys did we lose? Maybe what guys did our teams pick up? You want to see it. Go to lacrosse bucket. Go to NCAA right here and hit that transfer portal. And then you're also going to see the 2020. Oh, it's a D1 schedule. But like I said, beyond his transfer portal coverage, which is better than everyone else's, you will see he's now starting to do the schedule breakdowns. He's got even a conference realignment tracker. For you know, for there's a bunch of teams that are jumping conferences coming up in this 2023 season, and I think more will be moving in the 2024 season. Does a great job there as well. So be sure to check out Inside Lacrosse and Lacrosse Bucket because they're dope and they do the best job of covering the sport. Uh, we also have some NLL stuff. NLL's out, so I'll probably try to start throwing some tidbits in, some highlights and crap like that in at the end of each episode. So that's going to be the goal as we approach the season. I'm going to try to get the formula right. We're going to have our main segment that I talk about. We're going to have a little bit little bit of, hey, here's what I read today, and I'll talk about that crap a little bit more, usually probably in a little bit more depth than today. And then we'll probably start covering some NLL stuff uh, in every weekend a little bit at the end of each episode. So that is all. Also, we're going to be putting shorts out everywhere. So uh, TikTok, I hate TikTok with all of my heart. Fuck TikTok. But the reality is the kids are on TikTok. I need to reach the kids. So, yes, we're putting more shorts out, both of episodes and highlights and crap like that on TikTok and Instagram, even on YouTube a little bit, although I think I might limit the YouTube shorts so as not to mess with the channel. I'd rather put longer form videos up on YouTube and we could use the other social media platforms for um, shorts quick highlights and crap like that. So that's it. I will be back next weekend. Next weekend, I'm probably going to jump back away from the All-American lists. I still have to do short stick D-mids, LSMs, and goalies, I believe, are the three position groups I have left. So we'll get those in over the course of December. Next weekend, obviously, I'm talking about 
Syracuse's schedule. So we're going to break down Syracuse's schedule, and I'll probably break down Penn, Michigan, anything that Tanner's already done. I love to just hop into Tanner's articles and just use Tanner's write-up as my outline for the podcast. So we'll probably do all three of these and any of the others that Tanner does. We'll start checking out some maybe some new games, start looking for some of those new games pop up. If any of you see anything good worth talking about on the schedule front, one of the things people are talking about with Syracuse, no Cornell on the schedule anymore and no Hobart, I believe on the schedule anymore. So that was two things that people were really upset about, but I kind of understand it. I've been saying for a while, uh, I started saying it with, with Hopkins when they first started having their downfall. I started saying it with Syracuse when they started having theirs, the days of having the schedule where every weekend you're playing pretty much a team with a winning record or like Syracuse and Hopkins tradition was they played their conference schedules or their normal schedules, which were brutal, but they always had in the the other brutal uh, games like Cornell and Army for Syracuse and just brutal crap here. So I've been, I think that what you saw is you saw Cuse, for instance, pick up St. Bonaventure. They may actually, to a degree, be doing what I said. The only problem I have with that theory, because some have said maybe they're trying to dumb their schedule down a little bit, they got rid of Cornell and Hobart, they add Maryland and St. Bonaventure. So it's like, ugh, you know, did they did they make their schedule easier? Not really, but they did give themselves a a an insanely winnable game that typically they only have a couple of those almost guaranteed wins on their schedule, and they added one or two of those. So hey, I'll take it. But anyway, that's it. I'll be back next weekend. We're gonna talk Syracuse's new schedule. We'll talk the Penn Quakers' new schedule. We'll even talk a little bit about Michigan's new schedule, as well as any other teams that have popped theirs up. That that whole next weekend's episode is going to be related to schedules and a little bit of NLL action. So as always, be sure to like, subscribe, share. Go to laxfactor.com. You can watch all the videos. You can see my notes and everything like that. So you get a little bit more in depth. And I'll, I'll think of creative ways to beef up what I put on each of these pages as well. And uh, like I said, you could also support us by getting t-shirts and crap like that. We actually just put a new hat up. I, I always say we, it's just me. Put a new hat up so you can get this Lax Factor trucker hat. Comes in multiple colors got black and white we've got the cardinal we've got the gray this is my favorite one and i almost made that black but i liked the washed out look of the white on that gray so that's going to be one of the hats i think you're going to start seeing me wearing as i'm going to order one of those for myself but that's it thank you for watching thank you for listening and i will be back next week hoost is out the last factor podcast 